0: Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Divas at Care. My name is Candace Gish. Well, I'm really excited, everyone. This is going to be a fantastic show. I'm going to be welcoming back a past diva, and she's absolutely amazing. And I can't wait to hear her message today because I'm always so inspired when I listen to her and I I follow her on social media, and the things that she's doing is just mind-blowing. And so we're so grateful that she is a guest in our program. If this is your very first time tuning into the Divas I Care, a huge welcome. We are now in our 13th season, and we're listening to in over 30 countries around the world. And honestly, it's because of all of our amazing listeners. We couldn't have done this without them, without our amazing tribe from around the world, and all of our hosts that are on the network with us. So I'm so glad that you've joined us, and it's going to be so much fun. All right. Today's guest is the amazing Jean Kanagogi. So, Jean, welcome back to the show. I am so happy to have you back. Hey, thanks so much for having me back. I'm excited to be here again. Oh my gosh, it's been so long, and but it just feels like yesterday, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Would you mind, Jean, introducing yourself to our listeners today? Absolutely. Uh, well, I am Dr. Jean Kanakogi. I have a PhD in psychology. I'm a recently retired, uh, federal law enforcement officer, so I was a federal agent for nearly 25 years. Uh, I like to call it playing cops and robbers, but obviously it's much more in detail. And currently I'm still the Voluntary Director of Mental Health for the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association. So there's about 30,000 federal law enforcement officers I try to help with their mental health. And I am currently a public speaker. I do keynotes and presentations on mental health and really um, different types of topics that are soft skills needed and uh, need to talk about so a little bit more background i'm a former member of the u.s judo team i am a sixth degree black belt in judo and uh, i'm a 9-11 first responder if you could tell by my accent uh, if you listen carefully you'll hear uh, sometimes the letter r is missing from my vocabulary so i am from brooklyn new york and um Here's a fun fact. I took second place in the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest way back in the (laughs) 80s before they ate ate hundreds of hot dogs. But still, I I hold the second. Your friend of mine actually holds the first place title, and we were both on a different judo team. She was from the German judo team, and I was on the U.S. judo team. We were kids, and we didn't get heartburn like we would do now. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much. Uh, Jean, you know, you had mentioned um you are retired now and I just when we had first talked you were still working. So what is retirement life like for you? I don't feel retired because I kind of feel like um uh, the hot, the hot chick that just broke up with her boyfriend because I have been getting suitors left and right. Not romantic suitors, <laughs> but but I've been get, I've been getting opportunities, job offers, come here, come be the director here, come run this yep. company and um, I feel that I, ha- I have a strong principle of of success. I judge my success by my significance. So, what can I do that keeps my significance strong? And part of my purpose is to help others. So, if I just work for one company, I won't. I'd only be able to help the people in that company. But if I go and and do presentations and public speaking, I can have a, a bigger and a more global reach and really get the message out there for mental health, for mental health, for law enforcement and first responders and military, uh, for the general public, and also inspire and empower people. So, ergo, retirement, I don't know what that means yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I I don't think you will. (laughs) i don 't because you know I have so much passion, and I filled my toolbox with all these years in life my my um, imaginary toolbox, so i 've got uh, my law enforcement career, so i 've got all that knowledge and all that stuff that I put in there, including being an active shooter instructor, a firearms instructor, a control tactics instructor um, behavioral science specialist, so an interview, interrogator, cognitive interview, instructor. I've got all that in my toolbox. Then I've got the years of being on a U.S. judo team, traveling the world and competing in judo. So I've got that in my toolbox. Of course, being the daughter of the mother of women's judo, Rusty Kanakogi, and watching her change the world, being an ordinary person and doing extraordinary things. So I've got all of that life experience. In my toolbox, and one other thing, mm-hmm. my great aunt Lee, uh, Aunt Lee Krasner Pollock, wife of Jackson Pollock, uh, abstract artist of her own, and I've got my experiences and my childhood experiences with her in my toolbox. So I've got strong role models, um, wow. I've got my dad coming from a samurai background um, the actually the Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi was written in our family cave on our family rock. I know not many people say we have a family rock, but we do. So wow. so that all of that, all of that background, all of that international I'm thinking, you know what? I can't sit down and retire and just, you know, stand and, and sit at the beach all no. day. Although I will I will be incorporating some of that. I've got to do something because this is all part of my purpose. Now I've accumulated all this, now I gotta give it out into mm-hmm. the world and help people. Because coming out of this pandemic, people need help. People need mental they health do. help. People people need communication skills help, interpersonal skills help. People need to be able to stand up for what they believe in. And actually, even if they have to stand by themselves, they have to stand up for what they believe in. So they need help and guidance. And I feel that I am blessed to be able to do that and help people. Oh, my gosh. You are a force of nature. Wow. I just... I'm just so honored that you've taken the time just to chat with us, to share with us about that. And I know that our listeners are probably in awe like I am every time I talk to you, and they're going to be able to follow you. But I wanted to talk to you because I had the opportunity just to recently kind of go through your your website, and it's been revamped. Um, And I love the Project Rusty. And I was blown away because you've got so much stuff out there. And I'm assuming you really revamped everything after you've retired, because, you're, because of your public speaking and everything you're doing out there. Yes. Uh, originally, our website was RustyKanakogi.com, and it was really focused on the book that I wrote, which is Get Up and Fight, the memoir of Rusty Kanakogi. What uh, I co-wrote it with my mom before she passed, and what's interesting is that was one of the promises that I made to her before she passed, was to get her story out and do it in her voice. Now, how do you write a story in somebody's voice with their intonations, with their inflections, with their sarcasm and their humor? Well, the (laughs) only way to do it is to have the absolute intimate knowledge. And having listened to her voice since the day I was born to the day she passed, I got it. So I think after she went through all the writers to try to write her story, I was really the only one who could capture the nuances of Japanese, Yiddish, Brooklyn, and curse words all in one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, while, telling, while telling her story. So I uh, wrote that book, focused the website on the book, on her story, and then as I gradually started speaking more publicly, doing presentations, and I do a presentation actually on Rusty's story to show everybody, and, and the message there is empowerment, inspiration, and that anybody can do anything they want if they're willing to put the work in, pay their dues, yes. and... Don't ever give up. Always get up and fight. Changing the website now. uh, What did I change it to? I changed it to drjean 007com It will still bring you to the same site, but now we're highlighting things and topics I speak about, uh, putting some videos in there, put some testimonials in there. We still have the Rusty book on there exclusively on that, and we're going to be revamping and, and making it a little bit smaller and a quicker read. But uh, it's, a, it's a story of a journey, too. So it, it, if you want to go on a really one heck of a ride, that's, that's the book to read. But we did that so that we can showcase that the topics that are so needed in the world right now. Um, yeah. And, and that's, that's part of the purpose. You know, I mentioned purpose, and we always talk about, you know, why do we get up out of bed? Why, what, we, what motivates us? What's your purpose for doing Divas They Care? That, you know, this is all rhetorical. So for the listeners out there and all you Divas out there, what is your purpose? How do you find your purpose? What makes you say, hey, I'm going to blank, blank, blank? So in Japanese, there's a terminology. It's called ikigai. And if you say it, it actually makes you smile. So that's part of, part of the purpose. Makes you smile, makes you happy. Think about this. What are you good at? What does the world need? What can you make money doing? Right? So think about these topics and what do you love? You take all of that and you combine it and find the intersection. You can actually start defining your purpose. And I noticed that each one of those components are checked in everything that I'm doing in the public speaking for everybody from corporations to small groups to not-for-profits to schools, to gigantic corporations, we're all human beings. And that's what the substrate is. The common denominator is we're all human beings. We all have feelings, emotions, desires, dreams, and obstacles. So talking to people, I try to offer relatable solutions. And Mm -hmm. with with those relatable solutions, you know, you have to go to a talk and listen to somebody and you're like, ooh, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'm so inspired, I'm so motivated. But then you realize, hey, wait a minute, I can't spend seven hours a day doing this. I can't spend uh, this amount of money doing this. I can't travel to, to the top of Mount Fuji to achieve this. So these are yeah. these are not relatable goals. I mean, they're fantastic. You walk out of there and you think you're going to hike Mount Fuji tomorrow, but that's not going to happen. So what I try to do is give people tools that they can actually use every single day to help them gain their mental wellness and to help them gain their goals and where they want to go. So that's just some of the stuff that with the revamping of the website. I love it. It's brilliant. and you're right. There is so much need for that right now. Just Trying to navigate through the waters lately, I think it's been very challenging for people, not knowing what's going to be happening and how they fit into it all. And I think it's very overwhelming for people, and there's been a lot of stresses. And I think, honestly, having some type of a coping mechanisms, some skills in order to help us through that is, is what we really do need. That's true. You know, being resilient, it, it doesn't make you impervious to the trauma. It doesn't make you a superhero at that moment, but it helps you deal with the adversity as they come along because everybody listening, everybody has a struggle. And a lot of times people put on that, that smile and that facade. And, you know, I see the, those memes and they're very cliche, but they're so true. You know, you just don't know what's going on behind the curtain. You don't know what somebody else is going through. So be kind. It doesn't hurt. Take a minute and really take a breath when you're doing something. Take a beat. Give yourself the grace to think about, am I I treating this person the way I would want to be treated? Uh, Unfortunately, the social skills have become so absent and the empathy has has dwindled down Mm -hmm. so much that I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've had telephone calls with people that just, you know, people you deal with every day on the telephone for maybe a utility or, or a business, and they're like, all right, bye. Like, wait a minute, whatever happened to the cordial, look, we don't have to go down, you know, we don't have to drill down and, and you know, find out how everybody in my family is doing. But how about, hey, take care yes. of us, you know, thanks for calling. But no, people are lacking these skills and businesses are going to ultimately suffer. Because on one hand people are la- well people okay. are lacking the skills on one hand, but on mm-hmm. the other hand people are angry and they don't want to be treated like this. So this is a complete misalignment. You're getting treated like crap from the customer service, then you get mm-hmm. angry, then you don't want to deal with them, then the business goes down, then the person who treated you like crap loses their job, the business goes down. I mean, it- seriously, these skills are not just you know some skills to be like oh well they're not nice. No, this goes systemically and will ultimately hurt the economy, hurt the people. And that's why these skills are so important. And you know what's even better? It makes you feel good. When you know you've made yeah. somebody feel good, it makes you feel good. Oh, my goodness. I, I hear you. And it's, it's kind of interesting. When I grew up in a, in a family business, and, and one of the businesses we did own was a grocery store. You know, and it was always about personal skills, you know, always talking to people, saying, how are you doing? And it's one of the things that I really notice when I go in shopping anywhere. It's like people don't even say, hello, how are you doing anymore, or have a nice day. And it just almost drives me crazy. And I purposely, when those kind of people are like that, I said, how are you doing today? And I really kind of, I almost feel bad. I kind of get into their face and I'm like, you know what, are you, maybe you're having a bad day, but I'm like, hello, how are you doing? And, and, you know, just trying to get them to realize that, you know, maybe talk to somebody and it will help not just your day, but the person that you're you're working with. You're absolutely right. And I remember the first time I walked into a supermarket down south and I, I go to the cashier and the cashier says, you know, and me being from New York, so she's like, how you doing? I'm like, good, how are you doing? And she actually tells me how she's doing. She told me about her grandbaby. She told me what she cooked for <laughs> dinner. She told me how she felt. And at first, I'm like, okay, lady, I got to go. But I'm thinking, how sweet is this, the human connection, yeah. the human interaction? Now, it's funny, Candace, you, you and I should absolutely go shopping one day and, and do the how you're doing thing. <laughs> because... No. When, when I'm in my police mode and I have to eliminate certain words when I'm speaking, my my sentences all become one. Remember, I'm from Brooklyn, New York, so we we can say a paragraph in one sentence. So, remember, folks out there, when you ask somebody how you how, you know how are they doing, be sincere and genuine. Don't don't pull don't pull the Jean Brooklyn and be like, hey, how you doing? You know, <laughs> that, that could be scary. You could actually go ahead and scare somebody with that. oh boy I love that you and I are definitely going to be meeting up one of these days so we can do some stuff together absolutely you know it's fun I tell people you know if you're ever alone a lot of people live alone they feel very isolated this is going to sound really crazy but pick up the phone and call your cable company and try to lower your bill by five bucks so I know people on the cable company is going to be like oh boy what is she up to do that because what happens is you actually have to engage in a lot of conversations. And the customer service people, for the most part, they're actually happy to speak to you when you're not screaming at them because they're used to getting yelled at. But just having a conversation, not only will you save money, but you'll make that customer service person happy because you had a real conversation, and you'll be able to speak and use your social skills even if you haven't left the house in a little bit or haven't interacted with people a little bit. Oh, I love that! Thank you for sharing that. Uh, it's a topic that I had talked about on a previous show. Here is even just the loneliness. I think as a society we've become very lonely, and I even mentioned it. Like I had been feeling lonely, and I was wondering where that feeling came from. You know, you're surrounded with people, but it's not the same thing. You know, growing up, we were surrounded with people all the time. You know, we would do family dinners, we would go to and spend time with my parents and their fam and their all of their friends and their kids and it was very much just family-oriented, right? And I find that nowadays we don't do that as much. And I, I don't know if as a society we're just so busy that we just don't have time because we're driving our kids all these different locations and, you know, we're busy doing our own things and we're working and one partner's going one way, one partner's going another, and we're not together anymore. And I'm wondering if there's a connection within ourselves that we're just, we're missing something and we're just, and maybe that's why a lot of the depression and everything else is we're seeing more of that because we just, we don't have those connections anymore. That, that's true. And, you know, I, I always thought about even though you're so busy and you get, you could feel so lonely, how do you fix that? How do you do that? Uh, people talk, there, there's a lot of research about being in your flow. Have you ever had a conversation with a friend or with a group of friends that you start talking, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, next thing you know, it's like 5.30 and you are like, where the heck did the time go? Well, you were so connected and so in your flow that yeah. that's exactly what and – you, and you walk away and you feel so full and so enriched or doing something, uh, whether it be reading your book or connecting with a, a television show, uh, maybe even speaking to an older person down the block or somebody that you know also may be suffering from some loneliness. Then you get into these conversations and all you do is ask an open-ended question. Either tell tell me about your day or tell me about something in your life that made an impact. Uh, explain to me maybe how you bake this or how you cook this or describe to me what your favorite something is. You ask one of those questions to, say, an older person, you'll actually cure your loneliness and theirs. Um, when I was a kid, I, I joke around, I used to collect old people because they were so full of information and all they wanted yes. to do was share. I didn't even realize that that I was helping them out of their loneliness. And uh, I remember my parents would always laugh at me because they'd find me when we're on family vacations in the hot tub with all the old people, just listening to stories. But do you know how enriched I felt? I love that. And I felt I, I just felt so enriched. So I don't physically collect old people, but I like to collect their <laughs> stories and talk to them.
1: I should clarify you know that I,
0: because yeah. I like that. <laughs> You know what? My kids are the same way. They're constantly going and finding older older people like uh, the seniors in our area, and they, they're constantly just sitting down and talking to them. And I just love it because I can see that. The smiles on both of their faces is just contagious. It is. And to get them talking, you know, my father, case in point, he's going to be 85 years old. He has lived such a rich life, and he has stories. Whether they're stories growing up in Japan as a young man, whether they're stories of him on the judo mat, or when he met my mom, although he's still very quite shy about talking uh, of their their romance, which was cross continent and uh, back in back in the '60s, or his stories about his life with my mom, or you know all of his stories is great. Like he told me a story that I had no idea that oh, he was on the swim team and his friend told him to eat some goldfish so he could swim faster. So <laughs> he ate some goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's not on the sushi menu. What are you doing? He said, no, not a good idea. But, you know, these stories that you listen to, even ask you know, younger, younger people, ask your folks And sit and talk to your parents. Maybe they'll share a story with you about their childhood. Um, It's great because reminiscing also can bring up some fantastic memories, or even if they bring up bad memories, at least you know you can start working on them to be a better you. Thank you. That is so – I love it. (laughs) It's always so much fun, and I'm realizing I'm like, we've almost hit our time here, and – we we've only really dived into the beginning of everything I want to chat about. Um <laughs> so I'm going to have to have you back on the show again soon here. But I want to talk about the project Rusty and I know that you've got some scholarships and I just want to briefly go over that because that is something that I find just just so wonderful. Well, thanks. Uh, Project Rusty is a little bit of everything. Just like Rusty was my mom, and, and she was a little bit of everything, she had some things near and dear to her heart, and that was empowering people, especially young people, especially the underdog, and empowering them by giving them the tools that she had and sharing with them. Sadly, too many people withhold knowledge, thinking knowledge is power and I keep it to myself. Actually, knowledge is more powerful when you share it And I always pride myself when I mentored uh, other agents. If I made them even a little bit of a better agent than I was or gave them more tools than I had, to me, that was the biggest gift. With Rusty, she would empower young people and her students to push themselves to the limit and then beyond. And and then the look on their faces when they actually could achieve a judo technique that they didn't think or dream they could ever do or achieve something in life that they never thought that they could do. So Project Rusty, we have the Rusty Kanekogi Fund for Women in Judo through the Women's Sports Foundation, and that offers uh, judo training and travel scholarships for the athletes that are Olympic hopefuls. Another thing that I do under Project Rusty is the public speaking. Uh, By the time this airs, I'll probably be back, but uh, I'm leaving this week for Tbilisi, Georgia, to be a speaker to empower and inspire women in policing in that side of the world. And I'm talking Moldova, Turkey, Ukraine, uh, all, wow. all women in on that side of the world, and talk about empowerment. Uh, another part that I do is I work with the National Association of Asian American Professionals, and really I'm working on smashing that, that bamboo ceiling that's keeping Asian American professionals in, in this one box. No, we're here. We need to. We need to be seen. We belong. And and this is time for everybody to come together, working with allies, working within the Asian AAPI community, and really bringing everybody together. Because you know what? You can't do this alone in the world. You can't smash stigmas. You can't bridge the gap of communication. You can't bridge the gap of mental health and wellness if you sit there and do it by yourself. We need to do it. We need to make small changes, incremental changes. And as we're making these changes, you see big results. So um, I'm working on making everybody stronger together. Still working on uh, teaching judo to law enforcement to really help mitigate some of the use of force and give the law enforcement officers more confidence in the field to be able to have other other resources when uh, approaching the bad guy or the suspect or the subject or just the general public. So this is all under the umbrella of Project Rusty. And that's why I'm always so inspired by you. Oh, my goodness. This has been such a, a wonderful interview. I do really enjoy chatting with you, and I hope that this year we can do a lot more projects together and I can collab- we can collaborate in some way and have you really more a part of the Divas That Care. Absolutely. I love it. I love the Divas. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Please be kind to yourself. Oh, thank you so much. And you know what, guys? I'm going to have Jean back on the program, but I'm also going to be sharing all of her information on her social media because I really do believe that you need to go and check her out. She's one of the most extraordinary women that I've had the pleasure of chatting with. She's doing so many things to make the world a better place. There's uh, an amazing book that she has wrote that I really do love, and I want you guys to all go check it out also. So thank you, Jean. Thank you to all of our amazing listeners. You know, as I said, it's because of all of you guys that are really out there doing great things that we've continued to do the Divas for the last 13 years, and it's just been a pleasure, and I'm so grateful to not only my hosts, my guests, but to all of you. So make sure that, as Jean said, do something kind, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. Until next time. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and, of course, on DivasThatCare.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.